so glad you are with us. I'm going to start off this morning just with uh, some stories and kind of, kind of get us going. I, I read this week uh, about an incident that happened on December 17, 1927, when an eight-year-old S-class submarine was running uh, submerged and doing some tests uh, off the coast of uh, Pro uh, was Provincetown, Massachusetts. They're conducting speed and maneuverability tests just sort of right underneath the surface. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to them, uh, there was a Coast Guard destroyer that was headed in their direction. As you can imagine, uh, it hit the submerged submarine and the submarine went clear to the bottom. It, it lost power, it was injured, it was taking on water, went straight to the bottom uh, of the ocean at that point. And, uh, and just despite their best efforts, there was nothing they could do. Towards the end, uh, before air ran out in the sub, there was an underwater, like welder, diver kind of guy that was underneath the, you know, right up, excuse me, right up by the submarine, trying to find some possible way to rescue them. And he thought he heard tapping uh, coming from inside the submarine. And so he put his helmet right up against the side of the sub, and he could make out faint Morse code, the same message, repeating over and over and over. And the message that he was asking is, is there any hope? And I don't know about you, but I hear similar kinds of questions all the time, especially this year, right? Especially in 2020, people are asking, is there hope for what's going on in my life? Is there hope for what's going on in my world? I hear it sometimes from husbands and wives that are going through a bad season in their marriage and they're, they're looking at this and trying to figure out, like, is there hope for this? They're even asking God sometimes, is there hope? I see this with people sometimes that are trapped financially or feel like they are going underwater, right, financially. And they're like, Man, I, I don't know. Is, is there hope? I mean, this year, especially with people losing jobs or getting sick or the fear of getting sick or, or struggling at home, uh, people are asking, is there hope? Sometimes I think people uh, have relational issues with family or friends, and they are deeply wounded and just destroyed. And they're, they're looking at this going, is, is there any change? Is, it, is there any hope? Or is this just what I'm doomed to? This kind of relationship over and over and over again. I wonder if you have found yourself asking that in any particular part of your life over the last year, if you've said, God, is there hope? Is there, is there a positive outcome? Is there some kind of breakthrough coming? Or are we just doomed to repeat this cycle again and again and again and again? I read an article, uh, it was actually a study that was done by Dr. Harold Wolf. He's from Cornell University, works in their medical, uh, medical school. He did an effect, he did a study, excuse me, on POWs. Uh, and he said, you know what? I would love to know, because there, there was a, a certain group of people, they looked, started looking at data, they looked at 25,000 POWs, there was a certain group of them that they said, you know, they came through horrific sort of situations, like, unbelievable, I mean, solitary confinement, brutal treatment, beatings, I mean, all kinds, practically starvation, all kinds of terrible things, and there's a small group of people that came through it almost unscathed, no PTSD, no nightmares, no, I mean, like, they, they seemingly, anyway, from the outside, it seemed like they were able to kind of handle it, like handle the, the terrible things that happened to them, and they moved on, and so they started looking through the data, they started interviewing these people, and, and trying to find out what makes this group different from all the others that, that, that are as you would expect, right? They would have, that, that were dealing with horrible sort of PTSD and effects 
from these years that they had as prisoners of war. Uh, and so they, as they started looking, there was only one similarity that they could find with this group of people that went through seemingly unscathed. You know what it was? It was hope. They had an, this group of people had an extraordinarily high level of hope. And so the doctor said in his study, he said, he said hope makes all the difference in the world. It's essential for handling the crises in our lives. And in his concluding summary, he said this, when a man has hope, he is capable of bearing incredible burdens, incredible cruel punishment, and all kinds of things. But when hope is gone, people fall apart emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Hope, friends, is unbelievably important in our lives, and, it's, and yet it's so easy to lose. The Bible puts it this way, Proverbs puts it this way, 13, 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope put off or waited on or hope out of sight makes the heart sick. And it's true, doesn't it? Well, longing fulfilled is like, a, is like life into our lungs, a tree of life. We're created to live with hope. Without it, we start getting sick on the inside. We start shriveling up on the inside. Our hearts, our souls, our relationships uh, are never quite the same if we are lacking hope in our lives. I thought this was interesting. Romans 15, 13 uh, refers to God as the God of all hope. And the Bible teaches that we are actually made to live in relationship with a God of great hope. Like that, the God of all hope, the creator of hope, the one in whom hope is found. We are made to, to derive and to find and find our hope in him. Our God is a God of hope. And the Bible, this, despite what you may have been told, is a, is a book that is just overflowing with hope. We are in week number two of a series that we're doing here tonight called Finding the Cure. And today I want to focus on, of course, finding the cure for hopelessness. And we're going to do that by learning about what the Bible and what Jesus referred to as real and lasting hope for our lives. Before I get to that, though, I want to do, I want to deconstruct a couple things, because I think hope is one of those words, sort of like love, that we use all the time and we throw it out so much so that it sort of has lost its meaning, and we use it in ways that actually are not in, in, in sync with at all the biblical picture of hope, right? I mean, uh, look, okay, I'm going to get into myself, but I'll, I'll just, I'll, let's start out with talking about what hope isn't, okay? And I want three things that I think we can kind of see categories of what hope isn't, and, uh, and I'll give some examples as we go through this. I think the first one that I want to hit is wishful thinking. Sometimes we use hope as sort of like wishful thinking, almost like, you know, when we say make a wish, we like, and we blow out candles on a birthday cake, we think, we kind of use hope in that kind of way, like, oh, I, I hope we have bacon in the morning, right? Like, I hope we have bacon for breakfast tomorrow. Like, there's no power to that. It doesn't change anything. We're just expressing something we desire, something we want, right? It's kind of wishful thinking. I hope I get a new 8K TV for my birthday or whatever, whatever the latest thing is, right? I hope uh, it's, it's coming up to your annual review at work or whatever and say, well, I hope I get a raise, right? You know, I, I hope it's kind of hoping that things go the way we want them to go. Or it's, it's sort of like saying, you know, flipping on the, the TV in a few weeks and saying, well, I hope the Packers beat the Bears, which is more an issue of certainty but I mean, like, <laughs> some people, <laughs> maybe the other way would be an example of later. I digress. Anyway, wishful thinking is, is kind of a, a hopeful feeling that maybe, just maybe, things will work out the way we want them to. And so often, this is how we talk about and how we view hope. But the bottom line is that wishful thinking lacks power, right, doesn't it? There's, there, it changes nothing. 
It, make, it might make us feel better in the short term, but wishful thinking won't make anything happen. It won't make, bring about any change. Real hope, the kind the Bible talks about, is way more than just wishful thinking. Second thing, blind optimism. I think this one is particularly popular in the church sometimes. And, uh, you'll see what I mean in a second. But uh, sometimes I think we use the word hope as sort of a blind optimism. And I think it's good to be optimistic. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's good to have that kind of attitude. But sometimes we can take it to an extreme and start seeing everything so through sort of rose-colored glasses. We'll paper right over problems in our life and pretend like they don't exist. We tend to ignore or look away from the ugly aspects of life and just pretend like everything is hunky-dory in our lives. There's even some religion, some sects, and denominations, kind of things that, that, that take this approach. Uh, Christian scientists, for instance, say that evil is ultimately just an illusion. It's not real. It doesn't really exist at all. So they would look at Nazi Germany and some of the atrocities and just say, oh, it wasn't real. Like, you can say that, but does that ring true in your life? Does that ring true in your world? Just because we say it doesn't exist, just because we stick our head in the sand, doesn't make it any less real. Doesn't it? I mean, like we, sometimes we, we, we approach hope in those kinds of ways. We just pretend that those things that we don't like are, are not real, and instead we just pretend that everything is unicorns and rainbows, right? Magical. Like, it's just great. Hunky dory. All that kind of stuff. But again, it lacks power. It's not grounded in reality. If you have to ignore things to really have hope and, and pretend things to be a different way they are to really have hope, it's not real hope. It's not real biblical hope. The third thing, and this is slightly different, but it's, it's important nonetheless, is, is circumstantial. I do think sometimes uh, our hope is based on or linked to just circumstances, to everything going our way. And, and this is just, just an interesting thing to, to take note of. But so often in our lives, when we are full of hope, is when everything in our lives seem to be going in the right direction, right? When I get when I get that raise at work, or when things are going my way, marriage is great, kids are great, like every, everything's going. I'm getting all A's in college, like I'm acing out, I'm like trying, right? I mean, like it's all. Well, yeah. I, then we have a hopeful, optimistic attitude about the future, right? We look to the future, like, oh man, it's going to be great. But it's only because everything's going our way. And I have to say, if, if our hope is linked to or built on or dependent on circumstances going our way, then can, can we just be honest and say there's going to be a lot of days when we, are, when we lack hope? Because what happens when the bottom drops out? What happens when marriage stuff isn't? You, know, you go through a hard season. What happens when uh, college stuff, your grades aren't going the way our relationships aren't going the way? What happens when, all, when, when things don't line up, when the circumstances don't line up? Then we lose hope. That's not real hope. That's not real and lasting hope. That's not the same kind of hope that God talks about or the same kind of hope that's painted as a picture in the Bible. Because and, and we're going to start to turn the corner here. But, but here's where I want us to start this morning is, is that real hope, the kind that the Bible talks about, the kind the Bible promises, is not built on circumstances. It's not dependent on blind optimism or wishful thinking. But real hope is built on the Savior. It's built on a relationship with God. And it's that kind of hope that enables characters in the Bible, like Job, when things are absolutely not going his way at all, right? When he's lost almost everything, when he's able to turn and say, you know, even if God slays me, right? Even though he slay me, though, thing, though nothing is going the way I want it to, yet I will hope in him. 
There's something different here. The, the, the way the Bible refers to hope, the way that the Job even in this story, even when nothing is going his way, he's like, even if nothing is happening his way, I still have hope because it's not built on circumstances. It's built on something better. And that's kind of what I want to look at here. The kind of hope that God talks about doesn't really have much to do with our circumstances. It doesn't have much to do with what's happening around me. It doesn't really have that much to do with me at all. Real hope is built not on circumstance, but on a person, the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible refers to this kind of hope in him as a living hope. Hebrews 6.19, we actually have a song that we do that's, that's built on this. You go to the next slide. Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this hope, this hope in Christ as an anchor for our souls, firm and secure. It's like an anchor for our souls. It brings stability and security into our lives. Why? Because this hope is anchored not just in wishful thinking or blind, you know, blind optimism or it's not circumstantial. This kind of hope is anchored in the living Christ. This living hope is anchored in the living Christ. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5 says this, praise be to the God. Next slide. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. Now, I don't know it, if you see what he's getting at here, but he's saying hope by itself is powerless, right? It's who or what you put your hope in that makes all the difference. The hope that the Bible talks about stems and is anchored to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I mean, it, it makes sense, right? I mean, if Jesus is just some dead guy, if we just come together week after week, like sort of as a memorial service, just looking back and reflecting, oh, there was once this guy named Jesus, and he was a great teacher, and he miracles, but now he's dead. If that's the reality, then we have no hope. Then the best we can do, then we're on our own. The best we can do is just sort of get by. The best we can do is just sort of pull, try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, kind of create our own order and control and whatever else. That's the best we can do. But if Christ is alive, because that changes everything, doesn't it? If Jesus not only came back here and was a great teacher, not only did he live, not only did he die for our sins on the cross, but if he came back to life and he kicked the end out of his own tomb and came out just like he said he would, he shows that he has power over life. He shows that he has power over death. He, he shows that he has the power to actually keep his promises, doesn't he? When he says, I am able to forgive you, I'm able to, to, to take you, uh, restore you in relationship to God, and, and, and one day you will spend your eternity with me in heaven, we can trust him, right? We can trust him, because he's already been there, right? He's already cleared the way, and he's shown it by rising from the dead. There's a British theologian that I like, Leslie, uh, I don't know, Nubigen or something, Nubigen. Uh, puts it this way. He says, I'm neither an optimist nor a pessimist. I think I have that. Do you have the next slide? He says, I'm neither an optimist nor a pessimist. Instead, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And I love that, right? It's, it's not like just a fake, like, rose-colored glasses. It's, it's not like an Eeyore, like, oh, terrible. Like, he's like, no, no. You have to understand my worldview is shaped the lens through which I look. The hope that I have is through this lens. Jesus is alive. 
right? And because of that, he so he can do anything. Right? There is nothing too big for him, nothing too strong. He conquered sin, he conquered death, he conquered everything in this world, and now there is nothing that can come uh, in his way. There's nothing that can come even into my life that he can't handle. One author I read this week was talking about how the early church was so impacted by the resurrection of Jesus, so infused with hope through the resurrection that it impacted everything they saw, the, the way they interpreted everything, the way they lived their every part of their lives. This resurrection lens that they looked through sort of changed everything for these guys. And they said, you got to remember, I mean, they had seen Jesus life. They had seen him die on the cross. They had seen darkness come into the land. They'd seen, you know, they... We're there, maybe. When, when he was put in the tomb, they saw the stone that got rolled into place in front of it. It was over. They went back to fishing some of them. Right? They went back, but they were also there on the third day when they saw, right? When they saw the stone rolled away, the tomb empty, when the resurrected Christ appeared to them and said, you know what? Come here. If you need to see for yourselves, come here and see. Put, reach your hands here in, in the nail holes. Feel into my side. They'd seen that. They'd seen that as he appeared to them for 40 days and 40 days, and he taught them about the kingdom of God and what life was like with him as, as he taught them about the spirit, right? And, and said, man, it's going to be amazing. Like, you can't even imagine. And they were there as he ascended back to heaven. Now, what do you imagine that? If you had seen that with your own eyes, if you had seen that he actually had conquered death, you'd seen it with your own eyes, you'd seen him heal people, you'd seen him, I mean, raise the dead, you'd seen him just... All kinds of crazy things. How high would your faith level be? How high would your hope level be? What do you think? You think it'd be okay? Yeah. You guys can talk in church, you know, right? Like, how high? Do you think I would give you confidence? Yes. You think I would give you hope? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, to the point where, that, I mean, Paul here a little bit later, uh, Paul chimes in in Romans, and he puts it this way. Because he's like, man, there's nothing that could possibly separate us from God's love. There's nothing that could stand in the way of what the resurrected Christ wants to do in us and through us. He's like, I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor the present nor the future, there's nothing in all of creation that could separate us from God and from his love. That the love of God is available to us through the resurrected Christ. There's nothing. There's nothing that could stand in the way Because of that, the, the early disciples, the early church was filled with hope. And so can you and I be too. There's hope no matter the situation. There's hope that is anchored in Christ. And certainly, yes, in his life, in his death, but most importantly, that's anchored in his resurrection. Knowing that the resurrected Jesus is on our side gives us confidence and hope even in hard times. Can I just pause for a second and just say, man, that, that same kind of hope is available to you and available to me. Can I just ask the question, where are you putting your hope today? Where are you putting your hope these days? In an uncertain, tumultuous sort of era, where are you putting your hope? Are you hoping that the government is going to come through and <laughs> I hope not, right? <laughs> Nice use of the word, but right, like I hope not. That's that is not going to be a good situation, right? Are, is your hope in your own ability? Like, hey man, I can handle this. I got this. If that's where your hope is. Again, boy, you need to be real careful because there's going to be a lot of days of disappointment 
because one thing we've seen from this tumultuous year is there's so much beyond our control. And what, what the Bible is saying to us, what God is saying to us in all these passages, is this like, put your hope in Christ, the risen Savior, the one who's for you and loved you enough to die for you, but is powerful enough as well to kick the end out of his own tomb. To, be, to restore all of humanity to God, give them opportunity to come back to God and to ascend and is at the right hand of the Father to this day, waiting for us. There is hope, no matter what's going on in your life, friends, there is hope, but it's not found in the here and now, it's not found in money or stuff or job or myself or all those guys. It's found in Christ, in Christ alone. Real hope, the kind that the Bible talks about, it is not built on circumstances, it's not you know, wishful thinking or blind optimism, but it is built on the resurrected Savior. It's anchored in the promises and the character of the living God. That's where real hope comes from. Well, in the few minutes that we have left, I'm just going to remind us, there's, there's hundreds of things we can talk about that are promises and things that are, are true that should give us hope in this season. I'm going to remind us of three, uh, three promises that we get from, from scriptures and, and reminders from scriptures about the reality that we're living in. The first one is this. There is hope this morning, no matter what's going on, you hold the next slide. Because God's presence is watching over you. God's presence is with you. And if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've opened up your heart and life to, G to Jesus, then God's presence is in you. He has filled you. He has strengthened you. And he is watching over you, period. Right? That's the way it is. I remember hearing a story one time, I think it's Brendan Manning or somebody that, that told it, but told a story of a little six-year-old boy that uh, went through a really hard time, lost his mom, his mom died, and, and uh, as you can imagine, he, he was lonely, he was whatever, and it, it showed up especially at night, he would have like these night terrors, and he would wake up crying inconsolably and crying out for his mom, and he got really horrible, kind of saying, nothing could call it so, so finally the dad would come in with love on whatever, but again, nothing. So he would carry his son in, he would put him in his own bed, and uh, and only then could he be consulted. But before he would, before this, the kid would uh, go to sleep again, like, he'd ask him, he'd turn to, towards his dad and say, Dad, is your face turned towards me? Reach out and touch his little hands up, you know, do his face to make sure his dad, was, his gaze was on him, and only then would he be peaceful enough that he could go to sleep. And I love the picture of that because I'm like, man, sometimes I think we just need to be reminded that the Father's gaze is on us, right? that he is with us, he is watching over you, he is powerful, he is present. He, he loves you with a love, he makes you worth dying for, right? And he's looking at you, he cares, his gaze, his face is turned towards you. Probably the best known psalm uh, that there is is uh, the 23rd Psalm. It's been shared at a lot of funerals because it brings hope. It's the hope-producing psalm. It's, it's the, the whole Lord is my shepherd, right? I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, and he, he restores my soul. And in verse 4 it says, uh, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Because God is with me. It's a, again, just a reminder of this presence with us, watching over us, that his face is turned towards us. 
Let me tell you, friends, I'm not sure what's going on in your life right now, but let me assure you, again, if you've opened up and put your faith and trust in Christ, then God keeps his promises. He is with you no matter what you've done, no matter where you're at. He is with you. He is at work in you. He's there watching and wanting to bring comfort and restoration and truth and life and hope to you. He's there. No matter what's happening, we can have hope and assurance because God promises to be with us. Second thing that we can, second reason we can find hope in the midst of uh, these circumstances these days is that God's purposes, next slide, that God's purposes are working in you. Romans 8, 28 is, is a reminder. Sometimes I know this can be a stumbling block for people, but it can be really comforting too, where it says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What do you think all things means in the original language? All things. <laughs> all things, right? He says, here's the thing, for those that love God, for those that are, that belong to Jesus, no matter what's happening, if it looks really good today, or if it looks really bad today, it doesn't matter. In all things, he is working for good. He's working for good in your life and in my life. He's got good plans. It's where a good God is working out good plans in your life for your good and for his glory. Now, I want you to, to, to realize and to, to notice what he doesn't say. He, he doesn't say, uh, God's going to give you everything you want. Is that what he says? No. He does not say that. But there's hope that you can count on because he's working for your good. I think if you had really good parents when you were growing up, or if you are a really good parent, or if you've seen a really good parent, parents get this, right? Not, not all, but, but good parents get this. But they, they're working for their, their kids' good. And does that mean they always give what they want? Oh yeah, supper of candy and cookies and... No. I mean, sometimes you say, no, because you care about it. Because you don't, sometimes you make them do online school. <laughs> you know, they don't want to, right? Because like, you're, you're trying to work for their good. And they might, they might question, they might not understand. There might be times where they might be mad, they might discipline them, or they might be mad, they might be whatever. But, but you're doing it for their good. And they can trust, even if it's stuff they don't understand, they can trust in you as a good father or a good mother. How much more with God? who is all wise, who has all knowledge and understanding, who has perspective, who is outside of time. So he knows the future, the past, the present, everything else. He understands how all of this is going to work out. And he says, you know what? Here's the thing. I'm going to work for your good in my life. You can trust me. I always think of uh, the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. If you haven't read it, you should read it. It's an amazing story. Uh, but it's, there's all kinds of seemingly bad things that happen in his life. Things that you're like, this is a terrible. His brothers, right, try, kind of try to kill him a little bit, passively or something. And then, and then they, try to, they try to sell him into slavery. They do all this kind of stuff. And yet, uh, throughout the story, you're reminded of two things. It keeps coming back and saying, but God was with him, right? First of all, that's our first point. The first reason we have hope. And the second thing is you can see this story get woven and, and as you go throughout a story and you can see God using it for his good. Joseph ends up in what kind of position? He's a right hand man to the king. Second most powerful person. God uses him to save Egypt and to save his family and his country as well in a, in a terribly tumultuous season. There's famine and all kinds of other stuff going on. God is working, right? He's working, he's doing the same thing for those who love him. He's doing the same thing in your life. 
and in my plan. Even in the midst of really hard seasons, really hard things, we can have hope because we know there is somebody behind the levers, right? Because there's a God that is at work. He's working for your good and for his glory. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm stepping in? Right? Okay. Let's keep going. Third one. And this is this one has been the hope of the church for the last 2,000 years is that God's place is waiting for you. I, here, here's the reality. For, for most of Christendom, apart from, like, say, the last 100, 150 years in, in uh, the West, most of Christianity has, has happened in seasons and in places of the world where it is not easy to be a Christian at all. In fact, I mean, the, the, book, of, I mean, the book of Acts, most of the New Testament is written in an era where they were killing Christians. Right? Nero is notorious for this, right? The emperor, he, he hated Christians so much, he would dip them in tar, tie them up on high lampposts, and light them on fire to, to, to light his parties. I mean, this is the kind of environment that it's horrible, right? I mean, a horrible sort of setting. This is, I mean, most of Christendom, uh, Christians have lived where they are I mean, martyred, where they are, it's not cool to be, to be persecuted in significant ways. That's been the norm of the church. And, so, and throughout all of these eras, throughout these thousands of years, in most of the world where this is a reality, you want to know what kept them going, what kept them believing, what kept them full of hope. You know what it is? It's knowing that another day is coming. I mean, I, I heard it when I was in Russia, this is fascinating, uh, during the uh, communist era, uh, the hymns and the stories and the things that got written during that era that, that the church held onto and sang, they, were, they weren't like real peppy tunes or anything, but it was all anchored in, there is a better day coming. If you listen to spirituals that were written during slavery days, you know what their hope was? That they were going to one day cross the Jordan and they were going home. Right? I mean, this is, this is what has given the people of God hope for 2,000 years. And, and it, it should give us hope, too. It should give us confidence and hope and security, knowing this world that we live in and we try to focus on so much, it's, it'll be gone like that. And then there is home waiting for us. We are just foreigners here. We are foreigners in this world. But there is something a better day is coming. Jesus promises it. He talks about it all the time. John 14 is one of the classics, right, where Jesus is talking. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled, he says to his followers. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Put your hope in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going there to prepare a place for you, specifically. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. Jesus says, don't you get it? I am going to prepare home for you. And for every person that has put their faith and trust and their hope, dare I say, in Christ, he says, you know, there's, there's a bedroom door that's got your name on it that is waiting for you. So, so often it's easy for us to get focused on the here and now in this little world that's right here, looking through the people and keeping our gaze here. But God says, lift your eyes. There is hope. If there's hard stuff going on, you've got to know that a better day is coming. There's a place that's waiting for you. So many different things. I mean, Paul gets this, right? He talks about it all the time. I mean, he, he, 
he has this battle going on back and forth. He's like, you know, I don't know what to say. He's getting persecuted and beat up for his faith, all this kind of stuff. He said, you know what? I don't know which is better. He's like, I desire, of course, to remain here and to keep teaching and pastoring and starting churches and sharing the gospel and all that kind of stuff. He said, but actually, I, what I really want is I want to go home, which is better by far. This is, this is from 2 Corinthians 4, 7, 17 and 18. He puts it this way. He says, for I, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory which far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, not on what is right, the here and now, but we fix our eyes on the unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen, that's eternal, he says. You see it? You hear it? He's, he's saying, man, my eyes are fixed on home. One day, in this world, you will have trouble. Let it take heart because Jesus says, I have overcome. There's something better that is waiting for us. And if we grab hold of it, if we fix our eyes on it, if we live our lives for it, we can be filled with a kind of hope that nothing can change, nothing can get in the way of. Friends, you and I, we have great reason to hope as Christ followers. We have great reason to hope. Why? Because God's presence is with us. He is watching over us. And he is a good, good father, right? He is working out his good plans in our lives for the good of those who love him. Is, does that make it easy? No. Not at all. In fact, when Paul writes this, our light and momentary troubles, I mean, you got to keep in mind this guy's been whipped and beaten and stoned and imprisoned. He ultimately was martyred for his faith. He's saying, but in comparison to how great home is going to be, I consider this will look like nothing. This will be like light and momentary troubles. Do you understand? He fix your eyes on him because there's hope. Because one day soon, right? The twinkling of an eye, right? One day soon, you and I, we are trusting in Christ, will be headed home. Well, friends, I don't know where you're at with God today. I'm not sure how he might be speaking to you. Some of us just need to be reminded in the first place. We said, you know what? If we're honest, we say, you know, I feel like I'm far from God. <laughs> this whole business of hope, I feel like I don't have any. And even what you're talking about with, with trusting Christ and relationship with Christ and restoring to Christ, like this is, maybe it's for and if that's the case, maybe today, maybe what God is just speaking to you is he is just calling you home. He's just welcoming you home and just opening up his arms. And maybe for you, it's just time right now in your heart just to pray and just to open yourself up and say, Jesus, I need you. I need the hope we're talking. I need the life that we're talking. Would you come into my heart? Would you come into my heart? Would you forgive me for all the ways that I've screwed up all the ways that I've run from you, all, also, all the ways that I've sinned and turned my back on you and pushed you out, the ways I've screwed stuff up. Would you forgive me for those things? Would you wipe me and take me clean? Do that with your help. I want to follow you. I want to be yours. I want to step into that hope-filled life with the risen Christ, that relationship with the risen Christ. Jesus, come into my life. Come and fill me. If you have never done that today, because I wonder if God, the living God, doesn't have you here on purpose. He's, he doesn't waste stuff like this. If you're not here intentionally and he's just drawing you out, just let you go. 
For some of us, we might feel like, you know what? I feel like I'm, I'm living above the, the storm, right? I'm, I'm doing good, right? I, I'm living with the hope that's anchored to the resurrected Christ. There's a few of us that are probably like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm doing it. And that's, that's great. If that's the case, awesome. I wonder if there's somebody else around you today that needs to hear it, that needs to be reminded that there is a living hope, despite circumstances, a living hope anchored in the risen Jesus. If so, man, open your eyes. The fields are ripe with harvest. There are hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people around us right now that are going through a really crappy season, 2020, that need the hope that only Jesus can bring. For some of us, we might feel like we've been getting the snot kicked out of us in 2020. You're like, man, I, I have opened up. I've, Jesus is my Savior. I've been trying to do this thing, but I feel like I'm you know, getting kicked while I'm down. It's just a hard season, and maybe today you just need to be reminded that there is a God whose face is turned towards you, a God that cares, a God that, that in him we can have hope, and maybe it's just time for you this morning just to turn back and to hold on to those promises that he is present, right, that he is working even in hard things, he's working for the good of those he loves, and he's working for your good, and to be reminded that a better day is coming, so hold on to hope. Let's close in prayer. God, that's our cry. Uh, this morning, we want to just hold on to you, Jesus. We thank you that you are a God of hope, that there is hope uh, in any circumstance because of Jesus, because you live, we can live, because you have shown your power, you have shown uh, your victory, that that victory and that power is available to the likes of us, undeserving sinners. But because of your grace, you come and you welcome us home. Lord, this morning, we just want to open wide our hearts and our lives and just cry out to you, Jesus, we need you, Lord. Would you come and forgive us? Would you come and wash us? Make us clean and just draw us close again. Teach us to walk in you and with you. Teach us to know your presence and your power and the hope that comes away. We want, we want to follow. We want to be your kids and, and, and have you lead and be our God and our King. Would you come and bust into our lives and our hearts even right now? But for those of us that feel like we've gone through a really hard season, would you pray even today you just remind us of your presence, remind us of your smile over us, your face turned towards us. And we find hope and in your presence. Help us to cling to the truth that you are working for our good and that a better day is coming. Help us to fix our eyes on the unseen, on home, and long for that day. Even as we go from here this week, God, we pray that you would open our eyes if there are people around us that, that need to know the hope that is only found in Jesus, God, in Jesus directions to open our eyes to see uh, who we can share with, who we can love, who we can point back home this week as well. God, we love you. You're so in need of you. And we entrust ourselves and all these things to you now.